0: Hello, welcome to the Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. I'm Chris Mayer, and this is Episode 28, Space Power, the Theory. In the previous podcasts, Colonel Waring, Colonel Altieri, and I reviewed theories of warfare and how specific theories developed for the land, sea, and air domains. In this podcast, we will discuss lessons from those other theories to develop a theory of war in the space domain. Spoiler alert. We are not going to outline what we think space power theory should be. Instead, learning from the theories in these other domains, we will describe what space power theory needs to address. The intent is for the people listening to these podcasts, we the people, for whom our military forces exist, to be able to hold our civilian and military leaders accountable to develop a valid space power theory to guide the development of personnel, equipment, organization, and doctrine. Let's start with a reminder of what space power is not. Space power is not starships, star destroyers, or space marines. It's something we live with and that affects our lives each and every day on Earth right now. With that out of the way, I will review what a warfighting theory is and how it's different from military doctrine. In short, doctrine is what is done, how it is done, With the forces currently available. Its focus is at the operational and tactical levels of warfighting. Theory, on the other hand, operates at the strategic level, proposing what needs to be done and why that is necessary. Doctrine then describes specific tactics, techniques, procedures, equipment, and organizations which implement that theory. Here's an example of how that works. Dewey, Mitchell, and Harris theorized that the unique contribution of air power was strategic bombardment. To make this possible, Britain and the United States developed long-range heavy bombers. Once we had the bombers, we developed doctrine for how to best employ those doctrines. Space power theory should operate similarly. Next, we need to define what we mean by the space domain. Is it everything from Cape Canaveral to Alpha Centauri? It could be, but currently the U.S. Space Command describes the domain as Cislunar Space, C I S L U N A R. That is, everything from low Earth orbit to the Moon and the ground facilities necessary to control operations in space. Just like the air and sea domains, the value of the space domain is its ability to shape, influence, and control areas outside of that specified domain. For example, the control of the space between 50 miles up and the moon enables decisive military operations on the Earth. Control of cis-lunar space also controls operations beyond lunar orbit as any activity will have to go through that cislunar space. Now for a quick review of what the previous podcast said about land, sea, and air power theories that might be relevant to space power theory. Colonel Waring, Please start us off on land power.
1: In the land domain, theory, developed over millennia from all inhabited continents. Land is where the people live. It is where the industrial base and agriculture operates. It follows, then, that land power's unique contribution is to defend, seize, hold, and control populations and terrain. It does this through direct combat with opposing land forces usually assisted by forces operating in the other domains, and by securing effects achieved by the other domains. In this way, land power is decisive. Land power is as versatile in its application as are the human beings that make up its soldiers. In the 21st century, the capabilities and attributes of space power will be a critical enabler of all land power roles and a replacement for none.
0: Jason, can you carry the discussion on towards discussing sea power and
2: air power? Chris, certainly. And as described in the previous Sea Power podcast, the attributes of Sea Power are power projection, concentration, control of choke points, and physical isolation of competitors. Certainly, Sea Power shares some of these attributes, particularly power projection. Space power projection exceeds that of sea power because space resources are not restricted by terrain or borders. Mahan wrote that sea power does not only apply to navies. It includes commercial shipping, ports, the resources to build ships and operate ports. Similarly, space power includes all aspects of space operations, military, other governments, commercial, and the resources know-how, and personnel to build, launch, and maintain space operations.
0: What about air power?
2: Chris, the tenets of air power theory are centralized control and decentralized execution, flexibility and versatility, synergistic effects, persistence, concentration, priority, and balance. At first glance, these might seem to be equally applicable to space power. In fact, until the establishment of an independent Space Force, the U.S. Air Force said that these seven tenets applied to both the air and space domains. Professionally, from the perspective of an an Army officer, I think some of these tenets indicate more than just a little hubris. In any case, when the Space Force was stood up, it abandoned this list. In June 2020, the U.S. Space Force published its space capstone publication, Space Power. This now states, quote, the value of the space domain arises from an ability to conduct activities with unrivaled reach, persistence, endurance, and responsiveness, while affording legal overflight of any location on the Earth. Because of these attributes, space power is inherently global, unquote. The attribute of persistence remains dropping others in favor of something that could be the nucleus of a space power theory.
0: So what should we learn from these domain theories for a space power theory? First, and most important, we must remember that theory is not static. It develops over time and is based on experience. Earlier podcasts described how pioneering theorists, including Jomini, Mahan, Douay, and Mitchell, fell short of successful theories. However, they each proposed ideas that were tested in battle and evolved into more successful theory. Second, we learned that military operations in each domain only achieve strategic results when working in harmony with operations in the other domains. Sea, land, and air power must work together. This was the key contribution of Corbett and Doolittle, although foreseen by Thucydides two millennia ago. Third, we learned that harmony among the military domains is not enough. Military power must work in concert with the other elements of national power to achieve a political as well as military victory. This was the contribution of Sun Tzu and Clausewitz. Corbett, Mahan, Mitchell, and Harris understood part of this, recognizing how the application of military power could destroy an opponent's economic power, rendering them incapable of continuing military operations. Since the end of World War II, military theorists now look at how the military can affect the diplomatic and informational aspects of national power. This integration of the different elements of national power may be where space power theory can make its greatest contribution. While the different domains must work in concert, like the different parts of an orchestra, Each domain makes unique contributions necessary for victory. The same must be true for space power. Space is not just the ultimate high ground, that is, the vantage point that dominates military activity. Space is the domain where all key elements of national power operate. Think about this. Communication satellites, weather satellites, the global positioning system, search and rescues, imaging systems tracking land use, agriculture, and environmental impacts. All of these are now essential to economies, to all aspects of information transfer, and even diplomacy. Military power also depends upon space. The GPS system was developed for the military and is a critical enabler of most smart systems. Unmanned aerial systems rely on satellite links. Submarines receive their instructions via satellites. Aircraft and ships receive their navigation guidance by space-based systems while ground forces are tracked and directed. Space imaging doesn't just enable effective combat operations. These same systems can also prevent war by tracking and making public the movement and activity of military forces, removing the element of surprise or validating de-escalation measures. Clausewitz defined war as a continuation of policy with the addition of other means. Space provides for the continuing interplay of those other means, including diplomacy, even during war. The exploitation of the space domain also means that no war is exclusively a local conflict. All armed conflicts now engage the entire international community. This makes all nations participants in resolving that conflict and restoring peace. These considerations, the continuation of policy, and the effective engagement of the global community of nations can facilitate a rapid resolution to armed conflict and promote a sustainable peace. Control of space, or at least assuring freedom of space, is a more important vital national interest than control of the sea was two centuries ago. Considering how important the space domain is to national security, what surprises me is that we are only now recognizing the importance of an independent space force. Knowing these things, what should we demand of a space power theory? Jason, you want to kick that off?
2: What should we demand of space power theory? Well, first, it shouldn't limit itself to the conditions of armed conflict. Rather, it should address the decisive contribution space space makes in great power conflict, regional peace and security throughout the spectrum of war to include the dominance of hybrid and unrestricted warfare. One could even use the example of the Clausewitzian theories of warfare as to whether or not they apply in a space domain. In this case, if you could take the Clausewitzian principles and apply them against a conflict in a space environment then that could in fact serve as a marker of how useful a theory a military theory is in any environment or domain
0: rob your thoughts on that
2: space power theory must
1: not be tied to what is possible today nor should it depend on technologies that do not yet exist it must be adaptable to both space power theory must describe the unique way that operations in the space domain enable strategic victory and victory in the air, sea, and land domains.
0: Jason?
2: Like the sea power theory first proposed by Alfred Thayer-Mahan, space power theory must address the role of space power in promoting economic strength and well-being, as well as strengthening diplomacy and the global information environment. And we have thinkers today like Elon Musk, who see the practical applications of of the space realm. We have people like Richard Branson, who have a vision, who see where the future should go to space. And even the Jeff Bezos, who see where the profit is for a nation's well-being in space. There's an old adage from many years ago that goes, the flag follows commerce. And in many ways, this is what's going to drive space power in our future.
0: Let me add a thought of my own about what should be in a space power theory. The U.S. Space Force's Capstone publication says that space power works in the physical, network and cognitive dimensions. That it achieves dominance through maneuver in the electromagnetic space. This is something new and perhaps revolutionary. What does this mean and how does it lead to victory in war and a sustainable peace? In the end, the effective application of military theory in the 21st century and beyond must incorporate the unique capabilities of space power in a way that preserves peace or, when peace fails, synergistically complements the military operations in the other domains. We may not get that theory right at first. But we need a theory that we can apply and learn from to leverage space in pursuit of national and international security. Please come back for our next podcast, which I promise will take less than a month to produce this time. I think it's going to be on Chinese unrestricted warfare. I think that should be very interesting. So please come back for that on the ancient art of modern warfare. I'm Chris Mayer.